this evening we will look at Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23 verses 15 to 23 please stand with me if you can for the reading of God's precious word starting with the verse 15 for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. So that you, the eyes of your heart, having been enlightened, will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us, who believe according to the working of the might of his strength which he worked in Jesus, which in Christ, by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. May God add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. You may be seated. Every time I read the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, I feel like saying, Wow, is this all for me? All for me? Then I ask myself, what did I do to deserve all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus? The answer is simple. Absolutely nothing. If we had to do anything, it is true we believed, we repented, we came to the saving knowledge of Christ. That was our response. But if we had to do anything in return, then it is not grace. Because we know we are saved by grace alone, faith alone, and through Christ alone. And also, when I read this chapter, I knew in my heart 
we are the most blessed ones we are the most blessed ones not only that we were born rich we were born rich in fact super rich we were born heavenly rich but did the believers in ephesus and other churches fully grasp this truth briefly i want to share something in 1973 one year after i came to this country i saw an article in life magazine you may remember it is not time life magazine i don't think they are we don't have it anymore it talks of it talked about a man in the city of bombay mumbai in india and he was we call them we still call them beggar or a pan handler whatever you can call he was sitting at a street corner somebody was driving too fast and hit him and he left the scene this man died instantly somebody called the police when they came they knew he was dead but he had a large bag or suitcase everything in that suitcase was spread all over the street they checked it they found a bag they found 100000 rupees in 1973 that was a large amount of money then they checked some of the papers they found out he is from the city of calcutta finally they took pains and they found out that he was the son of a top civil servant in the government of india and his mother was a doctor and he was the only son at the age of 19 he left home he became a drug addict never went back home sitting at the street corner asking for help a beggar in fact he had a large inheritance he was the only son everything his parents owned he could have had lot of christians are the same way they don't realize the wealth they have in christ jesus the inheritance they have in christ jesus the riches they have in christ jesus everything in christ jesus apostle paul in the first 12 verses verses 3 to 14 gives us 
a thrilling description of God's program from eternity past to, to eternity future and the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. That the Ephesian church believers are in Christ. And the other believers where this church was, this letter was read, they had in Christ. But did they fully grasp that enormous, enormous wealth they have in Christ, they had in Christ Jesus? Apostle Paul, what he wrote in that those verses three to fourteen, they are some heavy stuff. So what he is doing? Starting with the verse fifteen, he is went to prayer. He is praying for those believers. So that they will have a full grasp of what they had in Christ Jesus. And they will grow in their knowledge of God, of Christ. If I can give a title for the message today, I will just say, grow in the knowledge of Christ. Dear ones, it is all about Christ. It is all about Christ. Now, we will look at verse 15. There Paul is saying, for this reason. For this reason. What, is, what are the reasons? Or what is the reason? Everything that was mentioned in the previous 12 verses, they were chosen. They were predestined. They had redemption. They were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Everything in Christ Jesus. Dear ones, let me tell you something. What we have in Christ Jesus is nothing short of all things. It is nothing short of all things. That's what we read in Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He will not withhold anything from us. It is nothing short of all things. And we cannot separate these two. If you have Christ, you have all this wealth in your account. The only problem is how much we enjoy it. How deep we know him. <coughs> That's what he's dealing with it. <coughs> Here Paul is saying, for this reason, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, having heard, how did he hear that? How did he hear about the church there? Paul hasn't gone there for four years, I believe. I think it is through letters and visits by other believers. They could do that. 
If somebody was in prison, they could write letters and visit them. What did they hear? What did he hear? He heard of the faith in the Lord, their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for the saints. Dear ones, this is the mark of a true church. That is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were believers. Not only that, they had love for the saints. And then, <coughs> these are the evidence of their salvation. We can see the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter, verse, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I'm not going to read it now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. In his prayer, we can see an urgency. He is not going to wait. He is going to pray for them right away. We can see this same attitude in the book of Colossians. There we read, always in my prayers. First Thessalonians, all, you are always in my prayers. Philippians, always in my prayers. His prayer, <coughs> without ceasing or ceaseless, he is praying for them. And then we read in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the full knowledge of him. I want to read the first three words of the next words. So that you. In verse 17. So you may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. They are the ones. That is one of the most important things that every believer has to remember. Our desire should be to know him more. That was the desire of Apostle Paul as we read in the Philippians. That I may know him. Grow in his knowledge. The spirit of wisdom that spirit, I don't believe it is the Holy Spirit. Because we, they already had the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 11 we read, Holy Spirit is called yeah, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. It is the Holy Spirit who is imparting the spirit of wisdom in these believers. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. So that you are in the eyes of your heart having been enlightened. What does it mean by eyes of your heart? We can see that in chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16, we read that he would give you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. It is not talking about seeing with your eyes. It's talking about the inner man. You will have the full grasp. The eyes of your heart being enlightened. How were they enlightened? It says in the previous words. By the full knowledge of him. That is how you are enlightened. 
and I go and quickly. Then it says, so that enlightened will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of the might of his strength? Here he says, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? It is not talking about our inheritance. It is not talking about his inheritance. In the saints, we are his inheritance. And we share it with him. It says, what is the hope of his calling? Dear ones, in that one, those Four, four or five words. He is looking back to eternity past and is looking forward to eternity future. It says, hope of his calling. When did the calling happen? Before the foundation of the world in the eternity past. And what is the hope? There once we can look to the also present, also to the future. And what is it? Hope of your calling? Everything that was mentioned. Everything that was mentioned in verses 3 to 14. And hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Dear ones, we are his inheritance. We believers are his inheritance. And then, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power? This evening, I want to remind myself and each one of you that we should never take our eye of the Lord. We should never take our eye of the Lord. It is all through him. It is all in him. And all, it is all because of him. Hope of our calling. Something that happened in the eternity past. He called us. He called us for a purpose. He did not call us so that we can just go to heaven. It is more than that. It is not more than that. He called us to be his children. He called us to be with him forever and ever. He told us with a holy calling. He told us to be sons. And then verse 19, what is the surpassing greatness of his power? In these verses, 
Paul is praying for three particular areas of divine knowledge for a believer. Three particular areas. That's what we mentioned. Hope of his calling. He is praying that through the knowledge of Christ, the believers will see and appreciate the calling of God. Let me tell you something. Few years ago, I mean quite a few years ago, I was taught that if you believe in the doctrine of election as I do now. There is no reason to evangelize. There is no reason to preach. There is no reason to send missionaries overseas. That's what I was taught. But after studying the word, and listening to godly men and their teaching. I changed my mind. I could see it is all from him. It is all Christ. It is all by grace. I was even told Salvation is like throwing a rope to a drowning man. So he can grab it and when somebody pulls it he will come to the shore saved. Let me tell you if I ever see a dead man grabbing a rope and moving, I will run as fast as I can. (laughs) We were dead and at the bottom of the sea. Dear ones, don't forget the hope of his calling. Never forget it. I like the way John MacArthur calls it. These three points. Maybe the next one too. In the first two, he calls hope of his calling. In the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, he calls the greatness of his plan. The greatness of the plan of God. He planned it. We plan a lot of things. But we will, we will be disappointed. Seven, eight months ago, the president of Russia, Putin, he had a plan. Take over a neighboring country in three days. Did not work. 
I know a man who took early retirement pension. Then he decided, me and my wife, we're going to travel all the world. Good intention, I know, good thing. That was the plan. What, but one month after he left the job, he was diagnosed with cancer. That's our plan. But dear ones, God's plan, it is so great. Every iota, it is going to be fulfilled. Just like a plant. Just like this plant. I was thinking today of the words in John chapter 13. In the previous few chapters, John, Jesus kept on telling, my time hasn't come yet. My time hasn't come. My time hasn't come. He told her three times. I think six times, I believe. When one, then once in chapter 12, and at the beginning of chap, chapter 13 of John, we read in 13, chapter 13, verse 1, Jesus knowing that his hour has come. No, Jesus knowing that his hour has come. How did he know? Did somebody tell him the day before? Nope. It was planned before the foundation of the world. Every minute of it. Jesus knew when he was going to die. Everything according to plan. The greatness of his plan. I liked what MacArthur said there. Then the next verse says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power? That is, as we read here, the greatness of his power. We can have plans. But if you don't have the power to execute that plan, it won't work. But here it says, greatness of his power toward us. The greatness of his power. Then it says, who believe according to the working of the might of his strength. Look at every word. Working of the might of his strength. Dear ones, God had a plan. It has to do with you and me. His redemptive plan. Everything worked according to his plan. It will never change. Then we read at the end of verse 19, who 
believe according to the working of the might of his strength which he worked in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him <coughs> at the right hand in the heavenly places there we can see in the full display of the greatness of god's power the greatness of his power there one city is greater than greater than the power that was displayed in creation it was greater than the power that was displayed when israel crossed the jordan the greatest display of god's power the greatness of his power was seen in three things that he mentions the first one is by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion here we can see the full display of his power let me remind myself and each one of us this this evening it is the same power that raised us up when we were dead it is going to be the same power that is going to change our wild bodies like his glorious bodies it is the same power sometimes we don't realize it there we see the greatness of his power if he did it for christ he will do it for each one of us there is nobody else who can perfectly work out a plan but our god because the greatness of his power everything worked out just the way he planned the greatness of his plan the greatness of his power then we read in the next one starting with verse 21 the greatness of the person of our lord jesus christ the greatness of the person of our lord jesus christ there is none like him he is sovereign he is lord and he is the head of the church three things we can see in these three verses <coughs> there we read far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in one to come dear ones he has authority on everyone and everything in verse 21 is talking about persons verse 23 to be read and he put all things there is the things whether it is a person or whether it is a thing everything will be under his feet or in other words he is lord our lord jesus lord jesus christ he is lord some people are a little bit confused about this word lord 
But let me be very clear this evening. He is Lord. Matt usually reminds us during his messages. Whether we, people agree with him or not. Whether people accept it or not. Whether people like it or not. It doesn't matter. We don't have to make him Lord. He is Lord. He has authority on everyone. And he has authority on everything. He put all things subjects under his feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church. Here we can see the headship of Christ. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is head of the church. We don't need any other, any other head. Pope is not the head. We need only one head. Only one head for one body. One head for one body. He is the head of the church. And again, read it when you careful. Gave him as head over all things. Over all things to the church. He was made head by the Father. Because he deserved it. He earned it. Because he gave himself for the church. He purchased us. Now he is the head. Which is his body. In the fullness of him. Who fills all in all. I just want to make a comment here. It's a quote from John Stott. He says. For on the one hand. God gave Christ to the church as head over all things. Verse 22. And on the other hand, on the other, the church is filled by Christ who also fills all things. Christ is all. Christ, Christ is all. Dear ones, this evening, I want to summarize just what we looked at as believers uh, do we really have that desire that Paul had to grow in the knowledge of Christ and then do we really appreciate the hope of our calling and do we really see the enor enormous wealth we have in Christ Jesus? We are his inheritance, but we share everything with him. We are co-heirs with him. Like I said in the beginning, what we have in Christ Jesus is nothing short of all things. All things. We can never separate it. If you have Christ, we, if you have accepted him as Lord and Savior, you possess all these things. But Paul is praying for these believers that they will grow in the knowledge of Christ. I just want to read a verse from Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. 
and verse 8. Colossians 2 and verse 8, we read. Maybe I'll read verse 2 also. In verse 2 read, so that their hearts may be encouraged, having been held together in love, even unto all the wealth of the full assurance of understanding, unto the full knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's what we are to seek. And then verse 8, there's a warning that Paul is giving to the Colossian believers. There we read, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Dear ones, that's what we see today. Empty deception and vain philosophy says, see that no one takes you captive. The same word is used for hostage. The world, the world system, the world philosophy, they are trying to take us hostage by their deception. But his warning, see to it that no one, no one is going to do it. Dear believers, let us grow in the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of Christ. So that we will be see and appreciate and experientially see everything we have in Christ Jesus. Everything we have in Christ Jesus. I just want to close with this statement. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. It is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Shall we pray? Our gracious, loving Father, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ and all the spiritual blessings which are ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you for this passage we just read, how encouraging that brings joy to our heart. Again, we thank you for this time together. We pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.